nicely lit, air-conditioned or heated, you know, uh, sanctuary to say, yeah, absolutely. Um, but it's another thing when you're actually being persecuted. And so, I, so I, I, my, my plea to you this morning is, is simply this. Um, be prepared. Get ready spiritually. Um, I don't know what your prayer life is like. I don't know what your study life is like. Um, if you're anything like me, it should be greater and it should be more. Uh, this life is so fleeting. And we tend to be chasing so many other things. And so I'm preaching to myself as well as you this morning. I, I woke up with a burden on my heart to say to you, uh, get ready and be prepared. So like I said, I'm not a prophet that I know of. Um, I do pray for the gift of prophecy as, as we should pray for the spiritual gifts. Um, and somebody in, in ministry, I believe, should, uh, should seeking to be exhibiting those gifts for the edification of his flock. And then the second thing is this. At some point, and I want the elders and the deacons and, and just the rest of y'all too to, to help me with this, uh, I want to make sure, so one of my, um, my job description, my goal slash my call is to prepare the saints for the ministry. And we preach sermons and stuff like this, but I don't know how much uh, practical application and discipleship is always taking place in these kind of situations. And because it is quite frankly, literally impossible for me to meet with you one-on-one -on -one, or even in small groups for that matter and to have that take place that way. I'd like to, at some point, probably this next year, um, have a time where we just talk about some really practical discipleship things from the pulpit and we spend some time on that. And actually, and I'm, and I'm curious about this, and so I'm, I'm willing to receive some feedback um, from this. I think first century church and how they did stuff was much different than what we do. Um, I think how how we're used to in the Western Christianity is like this, this guy up here talks and y'all just be quiet and don't interrupt him or that's rude. And I would actually, I would like to try at some point and, and maybe, maybe I'll kick myself for this later. I would like to try at some point next year, we'll have a, a couple times of this where there's actually some interaction. Uh, and that, now I'm not going to force interaction upon you. And so if you're one of those wallflowers that I said, hey, we're going to have interaction, and you just thought, well, I know when I'll be taking my vacation. Um, that's not what I mean. I think it would be great for you to show up anyway and just not ask those questions. Or I'm going to provide three by five cards for you to write the questions down on, and so we can have more of a dialogue. Um, I just want to try that. And, and, and part of the reason I want to try that is, um, who said that this is how we have to do church every time? Uh, obviously, people do have the gift spiritually of teaching and so uh, we have other men in the congregation, other women in the congregation, who I believe have the gift of teaching. And so I'd like to pull from that from time to time. Um, and so I, 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 don't, I don't know what that looks like. Um, and I'm going to give myself over to the, to the board to help me discern what that should look like. And for your prayers as a congregation to help me discern what that looks like. Um, so that was my morning. Um, y'all ready? Side note, right? That was, that was just the, um, I don't, that's like, I don't know what you call, like a trailer? <laughs> that's the trailer for maybe like an upcoming thing, I guess? I, I don't know. So, uh, again, if you're new or visiting, uh, we're kind of walking through kind of the unnormal way that I like to, to preach. Uh, if you've been here for any length of time, or if you've been watching online, or if you are watching online, you probably know that I like to preach by picking a book of the Bible, and we just walk through the book of the Bible. Uh, I do that for several reasons. One, uh, it, it's easy for me because I know then the next thing I have to talk about, even weeks in advance, and I can be studying through that, so that's 
that's very helpful. Also, I think it's good for you because then we don't, we don't kind of cherry pick things out of the Bible. We go right through a section of scripture, and I think that's healthy for us, right? Because then if God's word says it or it's in there, then we deal with it, and we should, right? Um, but we're in a series right now about the seven deadly sins. And, and again, I mentioned, I want to mention again today, every sin is deadly. James talks about that, that if you've screwed up at one point, then you've broke the whole law, right? Because God's standard is perfection, not just, you know, um, seven, okay? Um, and, and so out of these seven deadly sins, what we've been talking about then, we're on, I think it's the third one now in this, in this series. And today what I want to talk to you about is, is wrath. Anger is what I'm going to refer to it. R- anger and wrath in scripture is, is synonymous with one another. They, they partner very well, and, and sometimes, depending on the translation and, and who's translating from the Greek or the Hebrew, they can put the different words in there, okay? Uh, there is sometimes some difference, uh, but mainly, I think you're on page with me when we talk about anger, we also are talking about wrath. And anger is a very powerful emotion, is it not? Um, I, I know that it is because the physiological effects of anger can be all visibly perceived in people. Uh, you've, you've seen this either in yourself or you've felt it physiologically, or you've seen it in others. You know, the, the flushing of the cheeks or the reddening of the ears, and, and just you feel your blood pressure spike, or you, uh, you, there, there's this release of, I, I don't know what the hormones are, maybe um, like uh, adrenaline or something, I don't know, but you can just feel it. You know, like you, you, were, you were fine with the temperature of the room, and then you get mad, and all of a sudden, like, this room is really hot, right? And so uh, that's how I feel when I get angry. Anger is a powerful emotion, and throughout world history, Anger has been a powerful force. So powerful, in fact, that there was even false gods named after this emotion, right? So you have Ares, the Greek god of war, or battle lust, right? You have uh, Skanda, I'm probably pronouncing that wrong. It's the Hindu god of anger and war. Uh, the translation of Skanda, or what that means, is like the leaper or attacker. And you can almost picture then this individual leaping upon their opponent and just kind of, you know, ravaging them. One of my favorite, um, more current representations of, of anger is Dude Perfect. And so if you've ever watched Dude Perfect, Ty has this famous character, the rage monster, right? Where he just will then lose it and break things. And, and it's like, man, sometimes that seems like that would be fun to do, right? Now, of course, going back to my own uh, worldview and how I view things, we've got to talk about the Marvel Universe. I know you would be feeling let down if I didn't, right? And so in the Marvel universe, you have these characters that are, basically their main attribute is their anger. And don't worry, I'm going to get to the one that you want me to get to, but we have to cover a few first. Uh, the first would be the Punisher. You know, I don't know if you know anything about uh, the Marvel universe, but that dude is an angry guy. And if you had your family destroyed, you would probably be angry as well. And so that's his main motivating force. You have another one, which is Wolverine. You know, historically, if you know anything about the Marvel Universe, he's a very angry guy. And again, all these guys have these dark backstories, you know, that like make them who they are and stuff. Now, of course, what's the one I have to talk about from the Marvel Universe? The Hulk, of course, right? Of course it's the Hulk. Because his whole power is based off of his anger. Now, I don't know how you feel about all the movies that they've done with all this. I have my critiques of all of them. But according to the Marvel Universe and lore and legend, the angrier he gets the stronger he becomes, right? And in fact, he has this quote in one of these. Bruce Banner says, you won't like me when I'm angry. Well, I've got news for you, Bruce. You wouldn't like me when I'm angry either because the fact of the matter is none of us like angry people. (laughs) All of us are a little unlikable when we're angry. Go figure, right? 
No one likes you when you're angry. In fact, I, I want to give you this illustration that I found as soon as I fix my pad here. Okay, there we go. Now it can scroll. Um, here's this illustration I want to read to you. Anger, it says, weakens a man. So for the Hulk, he thinks it brings him strength. But actually, if you, if you are aware of the, for lack of better terminology, the, the evolution of Hulk through the Marvel Universe. I know, I'm, I, I'm sorry. But this is how it is, okay? So anyway, this is, so this is why I'm proposing interaction in the future, okay? Right? Like, anyhow, uh, anger weakens a man is what it says. But uh, apparently for the Hulk, and if you're familiar with his, with his evolution, at first when he gets his power, he becomes, he, he, he like loses track. He, he like blacks out from anger and it's uncontrollable. And then as he evolves as a character or whatever, Bruce Banner and the Hulk kind of come to this like equilibrium. So he gets his Hulkish power, but yet he has, still has the functionality of Bruce Banner. Um, which is great, I suppose. But this says anger weakens man. It puts him at a disadvantage in every undertaking in his life. And I don't know about you, but if you've ever worked on a car, you know that's true. (laughs) It puts me at a great disadvantage when I get angry at those bolts for not coming off. But when Sinbad and his sailors landed on one of their tropical islands, they saw high up in the trees coconuts which could quench their thirst and satisfy their hunger. However, the coconuts were far above their reach and that of the sailors, and they had no means of actually scaling the trees to get up there. So here's what they began to do, because they noticed in the branches there were these uh, hooting and howling apes that were, of course, very gracefully swinging from branch to branch and tree to tree and able to scurry up and down almost effortlessly. So Sinbad and his men, they began to throw stones and sticks up at the apes. This enraged the monkeys so much that they began to seize the coconuts and hurl them down at these men on the ground. And this was exactly what Sinbad had wanted from them to do. And so they got the apes so angry that they gathered food for them. And this is a good illustration, I believe, of how the indulgence in anger we play directly into the hands of our foes. And so as we begin to speak about anger this morning, will you please join with me in prayer? God, our Father, it is to you that we ask for guidance. We ask that you would anoint our hearts and our ears that we would hear and understand, that we would see and believe that that you would have your work in us so that we might be changed. To you be the glory. In your name we pray, amen. Uh, so, so I want to cover, firstly, righteous anger. So if you're a note taker, I've got some blanks on there for you. I didn't provide you with all the verses this time. Again, I'm open to feedback so you can tell me what you prefer and majority will rule, okay? But um, righteous anger is the first one I want to talk about here. And I, and I want you to understand here that God expresses righteous anger against sin. Uh, we do see that all throughout Scripture. In fact, I think I have these up there, verse uh, 13 of chapter 32 of Numbers. And the Lord's anger was kindled against Israel, and he made them wander in the wilderness for 40 years until all the generation that had done evil in the sight of the Lord was gone. And then also, I believe I have Deuteronomy 9, 8. It says, even at Horeb you provoked the Lord to wrath. And the Lord was so angry with you that he was ready to destroy you. You see, God is holy and cannot stand sin. 
And if you know anything about Bible history, and, and maybe you don't, I'm about to explain this to you this morning. Right after they left Egypt, there's just a bunch of plagues. They just defeated Pharaoh. They're, 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 after all this abuse for years, they leave Egypt. They go out in the wilderness. Moses goes up a mountain for a little while. They build a golden calf. They take all the gold that they took from, from the, uh, the Egyptians and their, their uh, trappings, and they, they throw it in this furnace, and they build this calf. And then Aaron... Moses' brother says, this is your God who brought you out of Egypt. And then they begin to have these, these drunken revelries around this, this calf God. This is what they are being punished for here. And so God is so angry with them, and, and as would we be, right? I, I mean, think about it. What if you worked extra time, put in a bunch of overtime, just to get this gift that you knew that your loved one needed and wanted. And so it was your joy. You, as you were wrapping it, you were almost, you know, just so excited that they were about to open this thing. And you're like, this is going to be so awesome. And upon opening it, your loved ones smash it on the ground and spit in your face. Yeah, oh, that's, that's the correct reaction. And this is, God cannot stand sin. And so this is the story of Moses. This is the story of the golden half, calf. Even in our fallen, sinful hearts, cry out against the conduct of Israel, don't we? We think, how could you do this? Brother and sister, this is what we do. We have to imagine the holiness of God and how we often interact with it and forget it exists altogether in our interactions with one another and the rest of the outside world. God has righteous anger against sin. Jesus had righteous anger against sin. You can see that in Mark 3, 5. He looked around. He looked around at them with anger, grieved at their hardness of heart. And he said to the, to the, to the men, Stretch out your, to the man, I'm sorry, stretch out your hand. And he stretched it out, and his hand was restored. This is Jesus on the Sabbath, and he's talking to the scribes and the Pharisees, and these scribes and Pharisees care more about policy than people. And so Jesus says to them, basically, in this is John's translation, what is wrong with you guys? Like, he, and he rebukes them later for this too. You, 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 strand, you strain out the gnat, but you swallow the camel. His point to them is, you don't even understand the heart of what all of this law was given to you for. You don't understand the heart of God. When, when, you, would, when you would say, hey, this cripple, it's too much work for me to heal this cripple on the Sabbath. Matter of fact, you're just going to have to be crippled for another day. I mean, you've been crippled for this long. What's one other day? Let's, let's keep the Sabbath. And Jesus is like, you guys are crazy. This was supposed to be the religious elite, and they cared more about ceremony than sickness. And then also, uh, another one is, is Mark uh, eleven fifteen. They, they came to Jerusalem, and he entered the temple. You, this is the one you were probably thinking I was going to. And he began to drive out those who sold, those who bought in the temple. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold pigeons. Jesus cares more about our spiritual life than he does about our religious duty. Do you guys know that? He wants us to sacrifice our hearts, not our salaries. He wants a right relationship with you, not just religion. I often wonder, sometimes when I read sections like this, I wonder if Jesus showed up on a Sunday morning 
to our church, to, to other churches, what would be the, the tables and the money changers and the sellers of pigeons and stuff, what would be those things that he would come in and he would just seethe about? Because if, if we are so naive as to think, we don't do that, well then, see first message in series, right? That was pride, in case you don't know. So Jesus has righteous anger against the misuse of worship, against false worship, against... Jesus has righteous anger against empty religion because Jesus wants relationship. Also, it's much harder, but we too can experience and express righteous anger. Ephesians 4, 26 says, Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. So here's the bottom line. Sin, sin should make us angry. When you see sin in the life of another brother or sister in Christ, it should disquiet your heart. And it should make you righteously angry. Great, Pastor. Can you define for me what righteous anger is? I will do my best. There's probably a better definition out there. Here's mine. Righteous anger is a heart that is consumed by the holiness of God and right worship of him for his glory. And so righteous anger is being a consumed passion in your heart, a zeal, if you will, against that which robs God of these things. If misrepresents or does not recognize his holiness, or it robs him from right worship of him. Our hearts were made by him. They cry for truth and justice and goodness and righteousness. We have a God-shaped hole in our hearts. And so I want to pause this message just here for a minute and say this. If you, if you believe the Bible, that's great. If you believe that there is a God, that's great. If you believe that Jesus is his son, that, that's great. Scripture's very clear, though. Unless we believe in our hearts and confess with our mouth that Jesus is our Lord, that his Death, burial, and resurrection was a sacrificial atonement for our sin, our sin personally, unless we are willing to come to the foot of the cross, figuratively, right, and come and lay our sin down before him and seek his cleansing from that. Unless, what I'm saying is this, you can believe a lot of theologically correct stuff, but if you don't have Jesus as your personal savior, you're in real danger, my friend. So if that's you this morning, I want you to stop listening to the rest of what I say, and I want you to be in this pew praying and asking for God to either convince you of this truth or to change your heart and to receive that today. We have to understand that righteous anger is always against sin and not the sinner. Because, bro, a zebra going to have stripes, right? And all of us in this room, we zebra, okay? And so until we have been glorified into the wonderful unicorns above, 
we will have stripes. And thank the Lord that by his stripes we are healed. So most of us, if we're honest, most of us when we experience anger, it is sinful anger. Most of us. All of us. Most of the time do not experience righteous anger. We experience sinful anger. Or we very quickly, by our sinful natures, we experience righteous anger and then it comes out as sinful anger. Or we experience righteous anger, we observe, we perceive righteous anger, and then it becomes sinful anger in our hearts when we handle it wrongly. Does, does that make sense? And so sinful anger is where we really need to camp out here. So you need to understand, I believe that you do, we're, well, I'm going to assume that, but anger is listed as a sin. We see that in different texts. I'll run through them very quickly for you, but Galatians 5, 19 through 21, it talks about the works of the flesh. It has a whole list here. One of them is angrily, or angrily, fits of anger, <laughs> right? In Colossians 3, 7 through 8, uh, Nick can switch us there. In these, you, uh, you too once walked when you were living in them, but now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from, from your mouth. I don't know about you, but often it's been my experience that when we, when we experience anger, there's often obscene talk that follows close by. Scripture tells us that anger is actually and can actually be hatred of God, and it can often it often is hated by God because He hates sin, right? So in Amos one eleven, thus says the Lord for three transgressions of Edom, and for four I will not revoke their punishment, because he pursued his brother with the sword and cast off all pity, and his anger tore perpetually, and he kept his wrath forever. And so God basically here is saying, I'm going to punish them because they were angry, sinfully angry. And, and by the way, sinful anger, most of the time, we have no real cause for anger, Truly. I had a brother, we, we, we were meeting regularly for Celebrate Recovery, which, which I forgot to talk to you about. So somebody remind me of that at the end of service, and I'll, I'll talk to you about that. Um, he said, uh, if somebody spits on you, what does that make you? And I was like, fight? That's what it makes you? <laughs> no, it makes you wet, right? And then that, that's, that's, the, that's the truth of the matter. If somebody spits on you, it makes you wet. It does, you, can, you can then at that point choose how to respond. Now, if I'm totally honest with you, if somebody spits on me, my, I'm going to be angry because I'm not as spiritually mature as I one day hope to be. Jonah 3, 10 through 4, 1 says, When God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil way, God relented of the disaster that he had said he would do to them and he did not do it, but it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was angry. You see, often we're simply angry because of our own selfishness. Something didn't go the way I wanted. Somebody didn't do what I wanted them to do. It didn't work out the way I thought it should, and so therefore I am angry. Anger is the loss of self-control. Scripture calls it a messenger of death. It says a king's wrath is a messenger of death. Jesus makes it equal to murder in Matthew 5.22 when he's talking about, you have heard it was said, all these things, but I say to you. He says, everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council. And whoever says, you fool, will be liable to the hellfire. We should take this sin way more seriously than what we do. In fact, we will often chalk it up to saying, well, I'm just Irish. 
Or, well, I just my dad was an angry guy, so I'm an angry guy too. Or we'll say things like, well, you made me angry. But all of us understand that anger just makes the situation worse. People who fly into a rage... Uh, oh, here's some quotes. These are fun. Ready? Uh, it always makes the situation worse. People who fly into a rage will always make a band la- bad landing, says Will Rogers. An angry man is angry again with himself when he returns to reason, says Publicius Cyrus. A good thing to remember is that you can't save face when you lose your head, says Walsh Longview. And what I'm saying here, what they're saying is no one ever looks back on a situation and says, if only I had been a little angrier, that would have solved it. I just wasn't quite angry enough. I should have really lost it, and then things would have been all right. See, anger is a bondage to our souls. It traps us and brings us to our own death. Job 36, 8 through 13. You can look that up. I'm I'm just going to move on. (laughs) Scripture tells us we're not to associate with angry people. Proverbs 22, 24 through 25. Make no friendship with a man given to anger, nor... Go with a wrathful man, lest you learn his ways and be entangled yourself in a snare. So, guys, that's a good, choose your friends wisely. Girls, choose your men wisely. Ladies, you're not off the hook. Proverbs 21, 19, it's better to live in a desert land than with a quarrelsome and fretful woman, right? So, anger destroys relationships. It doesn't matter who it's coming from. Their anger will eventually be turned on you. That's why we're not to associate with these people. Because anger is an insidious sin that has no end to it. It's like a campfire, right? You can throw wood on it forever, and it'll just keep raging. And so eventually, uh, their anger will be turned on you. Eventually, you will be tempted by their anger, and you will be harmed by blows that are meant for them by somebody else, whether that's physical, financial, spiritual, So I want to talk now about responding to anger. Because really, that's what we need to to work on. That's what we need to apply Scripture to, right? Because I think we're all in agreement that anger is bad, that God doesn't like anger. I think we're all in agreement that God, in his sovereignty and his perfection, experiences righteous anger. We experience sinful anger because we're sinful and because we're selfish. Uh, So here are some ways to respond to anger. I don't know which is next here. Okay, good. I think, are they all three here? Good. They're all three here so that you can write them down and so I can just do what I want to do, okay? Uh, So process slower, practice gentle responses, and then deal with it. And we'll get to all these here in just a minute. But, of course, in order, processing slower, Proverbs 15, 18 says, A hot-tempered man stirs up strife, but he who is slow to anger quiets contention. Proverbs 29, 11 also says, A fool gives full vent to his anger, but a wise man holds it in check. And so we need to process things slower. Now, I know that you're sitting there, and you're like me, and you're thinking, easy for you to say, armchair quarterback, you don't know the situation I just went to. And I would say, right. But this is what the Bible says, so process slower. Pray that God would help you process slower, right? I mean, we're not off the hook just because this is hard. Practice gentle responses was the next thing, right? A soft answer turns away wrath, but harsh words stirs up anger. Proverbs twenty five fifteen: with patience, 
a ruler may be persuaded, and a soft tongue will break a bone. I don't know if you've ever been in this situation with, with anybody. Um, sometimes people just like want to fight with you. People just want to be angry with you, you know? And, and you, can be, you can be like having, and I, most of the time I have found that it's usually like I'm having just a sweet day and then you're here and like I don't want to do this because my day's been sweet so far. What are you doing, man? You're harshing my vibe or whatever. But have you know it's hard. Anger and fighting is a two-way street. It has to be. And this is true. A soft anger turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. I, I, I wish I drove more and we lived in a city. I would love to like give this homework to you just for fun. Now, don't cut people off on traffic just to try this, okay? But if you happen to be, um, you know, a... Uh, an interesting driver, we'll put it that way, and, and you happen to annoy people from time to time or whatever, I, you know, that's, that's its own sermon, this is your rebuke, uh, but, 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 but here's the thing, right, uh, when somebody decides to, to give you the, the one finger wave or, or something like that, I just want to roll down your window, don't do it like a jerk, but if you can roll down your window and say, I love you, Or how about if you're married and you have a spouse and they're just upset with you for whatever reason and you would really love to get back at them or say that snarky comment and instead what you just say is, you know what, I just love you. <laughs> a soft anchor turns, we, 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 we laugh, but at the same time, like, God doesn't, God doesn't say things that aren't true. James 1, 19 through 26 Know this, my beloved brothers. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. Here's why. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, because that's the case, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. He says also, 22, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in the mirror. For he looks at himself and he goes away and at once forgets what he looks like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, by the way it's called, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. If anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. That's a scathing section of James, is it not? If you're a note taker, write down on the side Ephesians three fourteen through 21. And you can look that up later too. And so we are to think before we speak. When we speak, we're supposed to do so in a way that brings honor to God and grace to the hearer. We need to therefore then pray that God would prevent anger in our hearts and protect us from that temptation. And we need to pray that God would work in our hearts to give us this grace 
And there was three, I don't know if you remember that, but the last one is deal with it. Ephesians 4, 26 through 27 says, Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. Psalm 4, 4 says, Be angry and do not sin. Ponder in your own hearts, on your beds, and be silent. And so there's a couple things here. These seem like they're uh, working against each other. But ultimately, what, it's, what I believe it's saying here is we need to be dealing with the sin, whether it's one-on-one with whoever the offender is and, or the person we've offended, and or we also need to deal with this alone before our Heavenly Father and bring those things to Him. Ponder in your hearts. And so I, I, I want to make a confession to you this morning. Last week, I believe it was, um, it was so stupid. I, I, I'll tell you the whole story. You ready? You ready? Uh, if you came here this morning thinking to yourself that pastors are like holier than you, like you, you ready for this? Okay, so here's the deal. Uh, I went hunting and uh, I was at the village market and it was close to six o'clock and I was ready for it to open and they were not open. And that made me angry. So I sat and I complained and I grumbled. You know, the thing that scripture says, do nothing in grumbling and complaining. Yeah, that's what I did. And so I sat there in the, in the car grumbling and complaining. And then finally they open the doors and they're those you know, sliding doors. And uh, I'm ready and so I walk in there and the doors were kind of shutting on me so I give them a, a, a nudge. We'll, we'll call it a nudge. And they slam open and then I walk in and uh, I do whatever I came there to do and I, and I leave. And um, the following Sunday, I had a loving brother who was there with me during that time confront me about this situation and uh, tell me that this was sin and it was angry and that I should repent. And I agree with him then and I agree with him now and I am so thankful for the body of Christ because we are needed. So again, side sermon. This is what we're supposed to be doing as the body. Hold one another accountable. Do not be afraid to share truth with one another in love because that brother did that not to make himself look better in my eyes. He did that because he noticed something that needs to be dealt with and it's easier to squish an ant than it is to wrestle a bear. So we need to deal with it. Matthew 5, 23 through 26 says, if you're offering a gift on the altar and then you remember somebody has somebody, something against you, leave your gift there and then go deal with it. So we can be assured that God will help us when we ask for help. And secondly, we can be assured that in Christ, we can deal with situations without succumbing to sinful anger. I'll say it again. We can be assured that in Christ, we can deal with situations without succumbing to that sinful anger. So let's get to some practical steps. This is probably why I said what I said this morning. Right now, I want to give you some practical application steps that you can start to do, I hope, today uh, to help with this. One, uh, I don't think these are on your notes. That wasn't one. This is one. Uh, Evaluate and write down the kind of situations that push you towards anger. So do a little self-study. Think about it. What are these situations that are going to push you towards anger? And then write or, I'm sorry, then seek biblical solutions to help that. 
Seek mature, godly accountability to help you. And part of that then, so if you know the kind of situations that are going to push you to anger, decide ahead of time how to respond in a godly way. Again, it's much easier to squish the ant than it is to wrestle the bear. So decide ahead. Two, do not attempt to reason with someone when he or she is angry. Wait until you both can communicate with reason. So what that means is, if you're a clamor or a slammer, if you don't know what that is, think about it. Okay? And if, if, you, if you're a, a chaser, then you guys got to figure that out. Do not attempt to reason with someone when he or she is angry. Wait until both can communicate with reason. Or, in the spirit of Christ, both would be preferred. Three, every time you begin to become angry, confess your anger to God and to others you have affected. Redirect your energy toward the solution of the problem. Part A of three is confession and repentance go hand in hand with our sanctification process. We have to actually name it as what it is and take ownership of it. Otherwise, these sins are insidious. They like to hide. So I, was, I, was on my, so I, I teach a theology class right now during this quarter at, at Beach Point to the, to the intern kids that are there and the staff and, and all that kind of stuff there. It's such a great blessing. On my way there, um, I was hit with this, and it's a great illustration, so I'll, I'll give it to you now. So the illustration was this. I was driving there. It was in the morning. The sun was coming up. Well, the sun was already up. I wasn't going that early. So the sun was up, but it was early. And I'm looking at the shadows, and I'm thinking to myself, man, these shadows are long in the morning. They're just super long. And I thought, yeah, they're, they're, not, they're not that long. The, the objects might be the same, but they're not that long in, in noonday, right? I mean, that makes sense. We're all aware of this. And I thought, man, that's a sermon illustration, so here's what it is. When the sun, play on words, when Jesus, when the sun is low in your mind, the things that cause darkness and that cause stumbling seem very big. But when the sun is high in our life, S-O-N, Jesus, right, is high in our life, then those things take a very different appearance. And so that is why we have to confess and repent. They go hand in hand with the sanctification process. Every time we become angry, we need to confess it to God and others. And here's another one. Write James 1, 19 through 20 on a, on, a, on a card. Know this, my beloved brothers. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Write that on a card. Memorize that passage and keep it close at hand. Tell yourself that. Speak the word over yourself and over the situation. James 1, 19 through 20. We haven't started the question and answer yet, section, sister. Just kidding. So, in closing, God has every single right to express his wrath. And rest assured, beloved, there is a day of judgment. There is a day of wrath that is coming for this world and all those who are not in Christ. He demonstrates, instead of his wrath, though, we live in the already not yet, and at, at the current time, he demonstrates his compassion and mercy instead of the wrath which we deserve. Here's the big picture. We must learn to mirror God's mercy and grace as well as justice instead of responding in our own anger. 
Or in other words, I guess I would close by saying, don't let anger make a monkey out of you. Let's pray. God, our Father in heaven, we do thank you and praise you for your word. Your word is truth and you sanctify us by the truth. God, we thank you for your son, Jesus, who has created in us new hearts. You have taken out the heart of stone and given us a heart of flesh. And yet, unfortunately, in all of us, there remains shadows. And we need your son to be high in our hearts, to minimize them. So shed your light through your word into us and change us, O Lord, we pray. Help us to not be an angry people, but rather be a grace-filled people. Help us as Christians to have righteous anger and to act righteously, to be angry and to not sin, for we can do so. You have given us that command. Help us to live that out for your name, for your glory. And all God's people said, amen. So normally, as